I wanted to take a moment to thank today's sponsors of this episode, Seashaw, Pamela, and Josie the Mountain Troll. Thank you all so much. You're listening to Seven Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the witch who put the oi back in flying ointment. <laughs> hey, Sister Christian. I'm Austin Painex Bramble. Um, and today we have two very special guests, which I will consolidate both of them and only refer to them by their podcast name. Please welcome the Red Text Podcast, Voga and Rye. How y'all doing? How are you, Voga? Oh my gosh, I'm doing well. I'm so sorry. My vo- It's really good timing that I get to be on your podcast with no voice. Um, but yes, hello. I'm doing well, despite how I sound. I sound awful. But it's, I also like this bedroom voice that I have going on right now. It's nice. Um, uh, I'm doing well. I, uh, I've been doing, some, been doing some work. I had a very, very heavy um, uh, working to do yesterday. I had a client that had to do like base, almost like a exorcism of their apartment so that was very um taxing on me and then i went out to drink with some friends last night so that's why i sound so awful but um yeah that's, i'm doing well that's not the story that i read on the bathroom stall of the club that i went to i have to update that phone number it's an old number <laughs> <laughs> right how are you I'm good. I just bought a new journal and a new planner yesterday because I'm trying to get my life together. So that's sweet. And enjoy my last few days before I start school again. So that's fun. Wow. And I'm about to delete all social media. So thank you for having me on this podcast because everyone's about to see me disappear. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm so thankful that it's the first time that I've spoken to you in four months and it's all public for the God oh, and everybody to see. <laughs> Wait, I'm curious. Um, do, you mind, um, sh- do you mind sharing a little bit about the decision to to do away with social media? Yeah, it's not permanent. It's just going to be indefinite. Um, I'm trying to reduce screen time, particularly while I'm trying to focus on grad school. I just, I know myself and I have a horrible habit of like any moment of free time, I'll just pick up my phone, spend upwards hours of, uh, hours on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, rotating between the three. And it's just, it's just so detrimental. And I like, I'm aware of that yet still like, you know, we're conditioned to be dependent upon it. And uh, it's also been, very impactful, both for the positive and negative on my spiritual practice. Like sometimes I'm feeling like stagnant because I'm feeling so obligated to create content that I'm not progressing in my practice. And I notice when I take these breaks, I get a lot more re-engaged with my spirits and with my practice. So I'm, uh, my, my goal is through the reduction of screen time to spend all of that new free time back with my spiritual practice and doing things that are just bettering my, my mind, body, and spirit. And that won't serve as a distraction while I'm in school as well. So opening up more time to study and and less so just, you know, doom scrolling. I love that. I, I this morning I made a TikTok for the fir- like an actual witch talk TikTok for the first time in months and it was one of those things where it was like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'm glad I took a long break so I can enjoy it. But at the same time I have noticed in someone else this has been popping up on the discourse a lot lately and on Twitter and a lot of other places like during the pandemic, there was a huge increase in witchy content and, and and occult content creators, and a lot of that has dropped off. And someone pointed out that that doesn't necessarily mean that the people who who found this sort of path or journey or spiritual place during that time period are dropping off as much as realizing that it exists outside of online content. And I right. think 
a lot of people just make the assumption that, oh, all oh, the phase is dropping off. I'm like, no, no, people are actually probably getting more serious. They're realizing more of this happens offline than on. And I myself also have completely dropped off doing a huge amount of, of like witch-based content on TikTok because I, I'm I'm doing it in real life. I'm not, I'm not filming everything anymore. And um, I, I completely see what you're talking about there. Yeah. But it's not it's, necessarily to be chronically online with your magic. Mm-hmm. exactly well that. it's very it's very tiring you reach a point where you're not sharing everything you can't share everything with everybody you know i i know marshall and i have talked about this quite a bit like they're like at this point now specifically for me like i there's nothing anymore that i can give without divulging things that i don't want to yep. divulge um or things that like i'm not ready to let go of Unless, of course, like I'm, uh, I'm selling it, which sounds selfish, but like also, it's it's very it's a weird weird place to be in the position of like selling part of your practice and then also having the behind the scenes stuff that you can't share with people for legal reasons, um, mm-hmm. or because mm-hmm. it's just not for them, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think also at the same time I'm like terrified of people accessing me, so it's like. I, I just think that like divulging a lot of a lot of my magic out, out there just provides another channel for folks to access me in that way because it's it could be extremely in, invasive if they know what I'm doing and can bypass any I mean I dare you to try it but wards that I have up you know it's that's just one of the things like I, I I'm always really adamant about making sure that I don't put things out there that would compromise me and compromise the things that I've built in regards to the magic that I've done because I worked really fucking hard on it. So now I'm just posting really pretty pictures of my face. Um, And that's pretty magical within itself. Beautiful. Just beautiful. She is really pretty. I don't want to give away all my recipe. I remember like I I would literally make a witch's oil or some sort of intention oil on a, on a, on a video. And I'm in a place now where I'm like, I don't want to give away my recipes. That's my recipe. I don't mm-hmm. want you to know exactly how I made this. So I may give it a little bit, but I'm not giving you it so you can repeat it. I'm showing it because now I have to make content. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it, it's this weird, vicious cycle. And it makes me sometimes absolutely want to delete everything and just go off in the woods with some spirits. But not grad school. Sorry, that's not for me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, also too, you know, there's there's a thing about there has magic lies within secrecy and i don't like want to i don't know i don't want to make it sound like it has to be like secret for the sake of being so but also at the same time like there is an aspect of figuring it out yourself there is an aspect of um resourcefulness there's also an aspect of like you can't tell everybody everything that you're doing because at least in in my opinion that's um for for the girls who know like that's a way to use that against you yeah. like using using your yeah there's just so much so many reasons why you can't give everything and there's many reasons why you shouldn't give everything or even 
that much to be to be quite honest like there's a reason that I don't talk about my travel plans it's hard when you run like a website so I have to let people know like I'm gonna be gone for x y and z but like I can't tell you how I'm gonna get there I, I, I you know there's reasons for doing these things and being cautious about what you tell people and that goes with your personal life but also with your magic too which is your personal life yeah I know when it comes to like education, especially with online content and but well, not even online content, with with books and everything and in 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 the occult and witchcraft, I find personally the more it's weird, the more you know, the less you spend time figuring it out. The more you spend time figuring it out, the less you need, I'm gonna say less you need to know, the more you know in general. So I, I would rather spend more time figuring it out. Mm-hmm. That I would spend time being spoon fed and not having the the network of figuring out to get to that. Uh, does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Figuring okay. out how to do a spell is, um, or like uh, the the lessons that you learn along the way in doing mm. the spell is a lot sometimes more rewarding than the the outcome of the spell itself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And also too, um, and we, we we will get to our talk, topic, but also also too like <laughs> um, I well no I think this is really helpful for people perhaps, but also too like what you're being told online is not what it's is actually not being done. it's not what's actually being done, and it's also not like that's not the good the good stuff like the meat <laughs> and it, the because it gets stuff. so weird yeah no the mm-hmm. juicy stuff like yeah that's like, the condiments it's the ketchup it's the mayo. You're right. not getting the meat. You're not getting. You're the not grease. seeing how. Yeah, you're not getting the grease. You're not seeing how the sausage is made because it's a. It's weird. Um, it gets really weird really fast. It gets really. Um, you know, it goes into your spirit relationships. It goes into your cosmology. It goes into your worldview. And sometimes that's like not that, or that really shouldn't necessarily always be for everybody to pluck and pick at and observe and yeah it just it gets really weird and also even the materials might get really weird it just yeah i was about to say is like it gets vile it gets vulgar it gets it gets really illegal um, yeah illegal sometimes and it gets to the point to where you you actually maybe legally can't show it and then also at the same time shouldn't show it and then at the at the very least your spirits don't want you to share it anyway like what is what what is what what your the spirit the spiritual communication is as important as the spell itself so what are they consenting for you to do this this magic is for you so like you're very allowed to gatekeep all the things that you're doing so please do gatekeeping is not a bad word hi i'm marshall and this is my giant list of disclaimers (laughs) <laughs> sorry sorry i ran out of characters i had to disclaim away like literally i will spend more time on disclaimers than writing an actual like ritual and i'm just like well this is yeah. dumb i'm just gonna do it and i'm not gonna share it we did bring you on here for a reason and it's so that i could argue with you um i told voga before we got on that i was going to play barbara walters and ask some tough questions um may she rest in well, I don't like her that much. <laughs> Anyways, um, yes. So we are going to be discussing. I'm gonna say quote unquote folk Catholicism and <laughs> magic and folk magic and where those things intermingle. Yeah. And um, but first, you both run a podcast, and I, mm-hmm. um, I I know that uh, Ryan and I have been friends for quite some time and then Voga our friendship is rather newer and then 
Um, but we wanted to know how you two met and then how, how did this podcast come to be? Well, I'll start with our mutual friend, uh, Andier, who went by Burgundy and that that was our mutual connection. And I remember we were in like a little group chat together and Voga and Burgundy were talking about uh, a podcast and that they, you know, didn't have a name for him. Like, oh, what about like the red text? And then, and then do you want to take the story from there, Fonzie? Or I'm sorry, Voga? Yeah. So we were in this text and Rai came up with that idea or that name for the podcast. We didn't even have a name because we were just like beside ourselves. Was like, I don't know. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. Um, and for some reason, we were like, we need a name. We need a name first. And I was like, OK. And then we started talking to Rai and Rai just like off the cuff, just started, to, just said, what about the red tax? And I was like, that's cool. That's really cool. And then so like privately, me, uh, Burgundy and I were like, should we invite Rai to be a co-host? And we're, I was like, sure. At the time, I was like, three co-hosts? That sounds like a blast. And then I, I realized, like, okay, so Rai and I, be, we have a very, very good dynamic, Rai and I. I think we have, we have a, we, we're, like, our conversation style and the way we interview guests is, is very, um, is very uh, good, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, so I'm grateful that um, it is Ryan and I, because we do have a really great relationship and dynamic. Um, I think it would have been really tough with three people. I'm really grateful for Burgundy for, um, cause Bur- this was her brainchild. The, the podcast was her idea and she approached me and asked me to be a guest or asked me to be, um, her co-host. So I'm happy that it happened, but I, I'm, I'm also happy for what it is, how, how it happened, um, and what it's grown to be. Um, but the way that Ryan and I initially met before the podcast, Ryan like liked one of my posts, like one of my viral posts. It wasn't viral, but it was like when I like it was like the first post that I posted that like took off, I guess. Um, and it was just like this this little graphic this, uh, talking about how like your religious trauma is valid, but um, your condemnation of Christian witches is not something like that. And it just blew up. Um, so I met a whole bunch of people within this, like this Catholic community, this, this folk, as Austin likes to say, quote unquote, folk Catholic community. Um, and that's kind of how this whole, this whole relationship grew and how I became part of this, this kind of, um, you know, sub community, I guess, in regards to the occult or in regards to like religious studies or religious, um, or devotional work. Um, and it just, it, it, it basically um just blossomed my my own practice like it just it, it was incredible so r- meeting rye and meeting the friends that i've made just exploded it made everything just happen so quick that's really beautiful is the red text is referencing like when you open a bible and and christ's words are in red right exactly that's correct yeah that's correct okay i did not i did not know that uh, is that in every bible is that like a specific no. version no it's not yeah, in every Bible. Yeah. But it's mostly, some... it's, oh, and I only say this because I grew up with my grandmother's Bible, my Catholic grandmother. Everybody knows, come from a long line of Protestants. Um, but my father's side is Catholic and her Bible growing up, when you would open it, it would have like Jesus's words that he spoke or in red, but like the Bible that I own doesn't, even though it's a King James and it should. Um, but Yeah. Yeah, there are actually versions of the Bible that says red text version or red, red, yeah. 
oh wow and here i was thinking god that sounds so witchy (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah yeah somewhat Um, somewhat interpretation just changes from person to person i get it so i'm curious um as austin put it folk catholic folk catholic (laughs) i i would like to know because so I grew up at, uh, in an Episcopal church. Uh, I have a very mixed family background. Uh, my mom was a Episcopal. She was raised Episcopal. I was forced to go to the Church of the Apostles, um, which is an Episcopal church. And for people who don't know, it's basically a, 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 the Church of England or Protestantism. It's it's uh, a Catholic light, if you will, or dying Catholic, <laughs> depending on where you are. Um, it was literally invented as a derivative of Catholicism so Henry VIII could stop killing his wives. Uh, I find that for me personally, I kind of got away from this institution of the church, but I've listened to your podcast. I've talked to other people who are who are uh, folk practitioners um, within either Protestantism or Catholicism, and I don't get the same sort of off-putting vibe, vibe or energy or whatnot. I don't get any of that from a lot of folk practitioners community. Can you tell some of our listeners about what it means to be a folk Catholic, a folk practitioner? Yeah, so I was I was born and raised Catholic, and uh, both sides of my family are Catholic. Um, one side of my family is Filipino, the other is a mix of uh, Mexican and white. And uh, all I see folk Catholic as is like um, the the way that 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 those people, the folk, practice that that religion, that that culture. And so, like the folk Catholic, the folk Catholicism of the Philippines is going to look much different from the folk Catholic of the or folk Catholicism of of Mexico, for example. But at the end of the day, they're also operating under this umbrella of Catholicism, but in their own unique cultural nuances. And that magic will look extremely sometimes similar and sometimes completely different as well. And I just see like the folk part as the way in which it derives from like institutional teaching. For example, like my mom uh, would always tell me like we don't need to go to church to pray like God's accessible yeah. wherever you don't need to step foot in church to be able to pray to to God to Jesus um, or like my family is what you would call like C and E Catholics which stands for Catholic at Easter so technically Catholic dogma states you need to go to church every single Sunday for Mass but my family only ever went on the major holidays of of Christmas and Easter hence the C and E Catholics and um, that's like a, a pretty common thing or sometimes people can be Catholic their whole lives and not go to mass a single time. But uh, for me, how I personally see folk Catholicism is just the the derivatives of how these different cultures um, have these nuanced practices of this huge faith. Um, but in the Philippines, in, for example, like they, they're still predominantly uh, Catholic, but you'll see elements of like pre-colonial Filipino practices mixed in there as well. And I can see that's where like the fault comes from of like, what, what are the people doing? Like, let's yeah. look at this from an anthropological perspective of like, what are the people practicing? Sure. Catholicism is labeled as this thing, but what are, what are these people actually doing and how have they made their own system out of this institutional thing that kind of, you know, colonized and took up this space, but how are these people still maintaining their own cultural identity in this kind of post-colonial religious institutional, uh, space but uh how about you Voga? how how does how does how do you see and define folk catholicism well i want to be i first i think i should put a little bit of a disclaimer in regards to the term folk catholic or folk catholicism because we use that term we right. we we carry that term with us people who we see or things that we see as folk catholic or anything that we see as folk catholicism they don't call it that they call it catholicism it's catholic mm-hmm. um so like the the nonas and the lolas and the abuelitas 
they're not practicing folk Catholicism. They're practicing Catholicism. And you can't technically practice folk Catholicism because folk Catholicism is Catholicism. And I want them, I want to make that very, very clear because I know that this has been a conversation lately within, within the space of folk Catholics. And it, like I, for folks who can't see me, quote unquote, folk Catholics, right? There is, I think the word is important and there, uh, or the term folk Catholic is important. Something that I didn't know until recently that was, um, that was said by another content creator online was that folk Catholicism is an anthropological term. It is not a religious term. And it is a way to describe exactly what Rai was talking about, the nuances of um, different cultures around the world who were colonized by, by, by um, f- for example, the Philippines was colonized by Spain. Um, a lot of the, the, the indigenous um, practices and techniques and religious practices and, and, and beliefs were eradicated very successfully. And accounts of of um, indigenous practices are basically gone unless it was written by some sort of anthropologist or basically not people of the culture. And so a lot of these things you wouldn't even have to be able to learn unless you go to the Philippines and find these indigenous people in, in their villages and learn the practices like firsthand. Um, so, but a lot of those things bled over. Um, a lot of those things carried over into Catholicism. And I, that's not just in the Philippines. It happens all around the world. It happens wherever Catholicism was forced on a certain group of people. It, um, in some cases, there were, uh, there were leeway. There was a lot of, there's leeway in regards to the church letting folks do things just to make it more digestible, a little bit more appetizing for folks to practice Catholicism. Um, I was, I'm actually currently reading a book called Christian Mythology that goes into um, how the, a lot of Christian um, belief systems or, you know, Advent um, is derived from a lot of um, pagan practices um, and where that history comes from and why that happened. Um, so there are pieces, a little bits and pieces from what we grew up seeing um, that makes our, our Catholic practice, me as a Filipino, American person that makes it different from like traditional Catholicism or like Rome, like a Roman Catholic uh, mass, for example, it's, it's, it's the Catholicism that you practice in your home. It's the Catholicism that you practice in your closet, the, the Catholicism that you practice at your own altar that you didn't have to practice at church. And the way that I see it is not, uh, not necessarily eradicating um the ideas of what folks have been conditioned and brought up because i think there's some some merit to the the way that folks were brought up in their religion or you know whatever um but i think the institutionalized religion is really damaging and it's it's extremely um it's extremely uh traumatizing for folks to um to identify with the religion that's that's associated so heavily with something that's so dangerous and poisonous so but who still identify so greatly with the spirits of catholicism who still identify and still um have a a really sincere genuine relationship with saints and with christ and with mary but they they it's so uncomfortable for them to practice because they're queer or because they're 
whatever they're a person of color whatever it is you know so it's um for me folk catholicism is the the, the work that I do personally with the podcast, with my online presence, and also with the community that I'm uh, that I want to build is, um, or I'm currently in, and also trying to constantly build is deconstructing the things that we have been conditioned to believe, realizing the things that don't work, and um, reconstructing something new, and bringing forth things that work for you without those 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 Catholic spirits on your side with, the, with carrying those Catholic spirits with you. Um, and, you know, I, I use folk Catholicism as something that's not necessarily devotional because my devotion, my devotional work is Catholic. That's what it is. But when I talk about folk Catholicism, it's, it's sometimes political where I talk about how a lot of the things that go into the, like the, the, you know, uh, body autonomy a lot of those things are are um the the reason why those laws are, are exist is because it's from the bible we're not supposed to we're not we're not supposed to kill babies because it's in the bible or whatever you know things that happen in our everyday life christianity institutionalized christianity has a hand in every single thing so a lot of what i do is trying to deconstruct that and bring that down so that i i, I can effectively practice with my saints and with my spirits. And also I want to give people the, um, the resources to hopefully help them navigate if they want to do the same. Thank you for explaining that, the both of you. Um, I'm here to question you, as I told you. So um, for anybody who knows, or for, who, for anybody listening, I want you to know that um, any of my questions are um, not intended to be argumentative, but they are intended to challenge both uh, Voga and Rai as um, I know them uh, personally. Yeah, okay. I want everyone to know that Austin is our friend. So like, they're not coming for us. We're friends. We just want to have a, a, a conversation. And I think a that's healthy important. Debate. Yes, yeah. um, because I think it's really also helpful to everybody to walk away from a conversation from people who are good friends um, and and share a lot of opinions in favor of each other. And then also where, where those things differ and maybe we can walk away and think of um, something new that we learned. So my question- And not be friends is, anymore. And not be friends anymore because I hate you. Um, no, I, I I think that you're absolutely um, right. Your explanation of the folk, like as an anthropological term, was really brilliant. And Voga, I think that you absolutely articulated some of the things that were uh, definitely facing as issues with the institutionalized body. Um, our next question was, how does this differ from the institution? And you definitely answered some of those questions and will continue to do that. But then I wonder, you brought something else up, so I'm going to throw a curveball at you. How do we then, if everybody is, um, if we're framing our ideologies away from the institution that ordains the religion, then how are we not just being cafeteria and picking and choosing what we don't want and thus refuting the actual religion itself? Yeah, cafeteria Catholics, yes. Kind of like C&E Catholics. They get to right. they pick and choose what they want from so the, the buffet. It's a very good point. I actually That is a good point. That's a that's a very um interesting conversation because yeah, 
I mean, what I advocate for is picking and choosing the things that work within Catholicism and making them work for you. I agree. But there is, I mean, that works for any faith. That works for any anyone who decides to work in some sort of magical practice. It's like your practice is based on how good you are and how bad you are. The magic is not bad. The person is bad. So you get to choose what is good and what is bad. And you get to advocate for what is good and what is bad. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what is good and what is bad. You and I have different values and different morals. And I'm not going to soapbox to tell you what is right and what is wrong. um, Because the church is doing a really good job of doing that for you. So I want to make sure that I want folks to have a little bit more sovereignty when it comes to what they see is what they see is dogma and what they see is what they should glorify um because a lot of the i i always try to tell folks it's like everything that's been happening around us is dictated by this stupid book that that was written by men it was not written by the hand of god i'm so sorry it was not written by the hand of god it was written by men who were flawed and stupid and wanted power and also something that i know for a fact that the church recognizes that magic exists it's in the bible they recognize the magic exists and they recognize that other gods exist and so um it's in there and the reason why i know they they the, the church knows that the magic exists is because they gatekeep the magic that's why the clergy exists. You're not allowed to do certain things because we're only allowed to do these things. So I want I, the thing that I want uh, folks to understand is like you do have a little bit more sovereignty when it comes to um, what you're, what you are and aren't able to do, and you get to dictate that based on how you practice, like whatever you feel like you can. What I wanted to, um, in in regards to Catholicism and Christianity as a whole, is deconstructing the trauma that it gives you because of who you are. That's a big part of what I do. The work that I do is we are not it, it, deconstructing the idea of sin is a big part of my work because I am if the definition that the church gives us of what sin is, I am the epitome of it. I am I am I am I'm put on the pedestal of what sin is and I want to deconstruct what it means to be a sinner. Uh, and and we've had conversations about what what sin means to us, and it 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 doesn't line up to the idea of the, the propaganda of what sin means to the church, because it really is. It's 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 a it's it's to it's bondage. It truly is. It's it's um it's you know bodily control. It's sexual control. It's 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 religious control it's fate it's the it's it's mind control it's everything so it's it's that that i that i like to be very adamant on that the work that i do is based on making sure you not only deconstruct the conditioning that the church has given you but also deconstruct the trauma that the church has given you has forced upon you like this is not your fault and it's it you are entitled to dismiss that and work on it and uh, you know, deconstruct those things. I like that you just brought up that specifically talking about what the church has done. The church has said this, the church has done that. One of the things that I really love um, in some of Jim McGarry's books and some of the traditional witchcraft books and, and, and things that she has written is she has a specific phrase where she calls it churchianity. Um, it's a word now, churchianity. And I love it because <laughs> I think for a long time, I was that traumatized gay boy from 
the church. I was that person who experienced so much trauma within it and around it and from it. And I associated that trauma with Christianity. It took a very long time for me to start separating the institution from the idea, from the spirituality, from everyone's individual relationship with their divine. And one of the things that I'm picking up from, I have picked up from your show, but I'm also picking up specifically from what you're just describing right now, when it comes to the sovereignty of your relationship with the divine and in folk practice versus, say, institutionalized practice. Because I remember learning a lot. I mean, like I said, I was next to Catholic. So I remember learning a lot about understanding that you don't get a person in, in, in institution-wise, you don't really get to have that personal relationship with God. You have a relationship with a priest who is in touch with God and you have yep. to go through yep. the priest to get to God. And, yep. and that just sets up this hierarchy of power. And unfortunately in hierarchies, you get people who abuse power and you get people who abuse the power that's given to them, especially in the most vulnerable of places, your, your, your relationship with, with the divine. One of the things that I actually really love about listening to y'all show and, and, and getting to know y'all is that barrier is completely removed. Um, and, and talking to like, uh, uh, Frankie, a chaotic witch aunt, who is a, a, a Italian folk practitioner, which is very much based in, in Catholicism, talking with Temperance, who works as an Irish folk practitioner, um, who, again, very much based in, in, in a plethora of, of spiritual beliefs, including um, Catholicism. It really, really stripped away a lot of my ideas around it. And I'm hoping that listeners are getting the opportunity today to see that there is a major separation between the institution and everyone's sovereign spiritual connection. Um, and to be perfectly honest, the more that I got into learning certain acts of, of traditional witchcraft, I realized that a huge portion of them are inspired by rebelling against that institution, by taking back your personal sovereignty. And I even listened to one of the episodes where I think you even talked about there are so many connections between like what I do and what you do when it comes to our spirituality. So um, there, there is that, that in-between liminal space there where... Uh, certain acts of folk magic and witchcraft can look very similar but yeah. how you how you choose to identify that is of course up to you so to refute your um your ideas to combat them i wonder then then what interpret <laughs> then what interpret no i'm only asking because we we're seeing this like thing going on and i, I it's not that i'm not appreciating the the um realization of that or the refute of that that's all great and wonderful but then why then why then why do it then why why be that thing i mean there are other people i mean what is it to to um ultimately be in good graces uh with god because we want to practice magic um because like i i refuse to and i know that you both do too i know this is something that we've talked about like um, the idea of like fags going to hell. I don't. I I don't really have a care in the world whether that was a misinterpretation, a mistransliteration, a miss, 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 whatever. Right, right, because right. it doesn't matter when you look at it from that material, uh, that scientific, um, uh, linguistic, academic perspective of like, oh well, this was just mistranslated. That doesn't refute the spiritual value that that handful of of um, 
verses in the Bible has had for 2,000 years. It doesn't just get rid of that. And I think I that this, this reinterpretation, this um, picking and choosing, I mean, I can, I, we have a, a Bible in this house. I have this Bible um, and it was, it's an old one. It's from like the seventies. And when you open it, it is so annotated. And so it's such a weird 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 bible you can tell it's protestant because nothing is real um and <laughs> um yeah that was a dig i'm kidding all right um uh but no when you open it it's like it's from the 70s clearly and it's it's just this totally modernist really like trying to fit this very magical text into a 1970s 1980s like modernist era and it just doesn't work it doesn't make sense the the text doesn't line up to a lot of stuff i don't even i think it's an njv um or nkgv whatever but my point being is that what what happens when we pick and we choose it to death to where it's no longer what everybody's claiming that it that it is and i know that it happens like i know that we're we're um the folk aspect of it, right? The, you know, the people who are like, well, the church says we can't do that, but I'm going to do it anyways. But then, you know, it, you're still in trouble. You know, it's, it's yeah, not like it's a good thing. <laughs> the unsanctioning of I that doesn't, just doesn't get removed just because you're sanctioning it for yourself. So I wonder then you're where, right. where do we lose? Well, here's the thing. Okay. So I'm going to go back to this, the, what you first said in the beginning where it's like, why do it? Okay, why? If if that's the case, if you're picking and choosing, then why are you doing it? I'm gonna just dig a little bit. I'm gonna go kind of into a little bit of UPG here. Um, so this is not something that's supported by text. I don't feel like I have a choice because of the relationship that I have with my spirits. Listen, before I started, before I started talking, or before I started practicing magic, I was a Christian first. I was a Protestant. I grew up Protestant. I grew up as a Protestant queer. Okay, so. There was something about me. I We talk about this all the time, this dissonance that you have about being queer and still having a really sincere relationship with those spirits. I couldn't, I could not sever myself from the relationship that I had with, with Christ. I couldn't do it as much as I wanted to because it was killing me and it almost did. But there was something about me that I could not sever myself from that relationship because i be, because of my conditioning because of the the way that i and i grew up in a house that we didn't go to church my 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 dad was a very much like pray in your closet because god can hear you in there um which i'm very grateful for um so uh i had to do a lot of I had to do a lot of um reflection especially within my 20s to because my 20s was when i just like paint the town red i'm queer hi i want to fuck all the boys so i had to i had to it came to it really did come to a point to where i was just like why am i doing this why do i believe in you why why can't i why can't i disconnect from the relationship that i have from you and the reason why is because before then i did really cultivate a heavy a really sincere relationship with these spirits and the reason why i know i'm allowed to redact the things that i've redacted is because my magic works and that's the reason why I know the the 
the prayers that I use and the way I identify and the way I show myself to my altar and the way I show myself to my, I show myself like this to my altar and I show myself 100% authentically myself. I know that what I'm doing is correct because I'm listening to my spirits and I'm paying attention and my magic is working. And I know I cannot give you a source on whether that's true or not. That's just my experience. Well, this isn't an academic uh, podcast, so it's a <laughs> magical practitioner one. So it doesn't yeah. matter. The UPG absolutely matters. So thank you very right. much for that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, right. Do do fags go to hell? Um, I mean, if that's where they're going, that's where I want to go. So, I mean, I don't want to miss out on the party. I get bad FOMO. So, <laughs> um <laughs> I don't know. I can't speak on what happens after after into the afterlife because I haven't been there yet. So I'm not going to say what's true. And I don't know what sorts who goes where there's people who believe facts go to hell. I, if that's what they believe and that's what they believe, but I don't, I don't agree with that. If that's the truth of the matter, but also we've, we've also kind of, this is going to be a topic on our podcast pretty soon. The idea of the afterlife and how we see it because we don't see it the same. We don't, I mean, it's not from each other, but like we don't see it the same as other people. Um, I don't believe that hell and heaven are a physical place. Um, I don't believe that because I I believe that we are constantly in our everyday lives um kind of uh tethering the line between heaven and hell every single day. I think one day we're in hell and one day we're in heaven, and it sometimes we're in purgatory, we're kind of in between. Um, it really depends on how things are going in your life at the moment, how you're living your life, how you, um, uh, what the relationships that you've cultivated and how those are being, um, you know, how those are blooming or, you know, whatever. I think we, 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 um, traverse both heaven and hell all the time. And I'm not saying like as a physical place, but as an idea. Um, so I think that, because I think that a lot of the things that Christian dogma has taught us or the institutionalized dogma has taught us is that your life is you checking off boxes on you either going to heaven or going to hell. That is not the way I want to live. My life right now is the way I want. I don't want to, like my life right now is, is not a transaction. My life is my life and I want to live it happy and um. I don't want to make sure that I have a list in front of me, making sure I'm doing everything I possibly can to buy my way into paradise. No, like this is not the life I want to live. And this is part of what I've had to deconstruct. And a lot of, a lot of tears, a lot of blood, a lot of, a lot of like, why am I here? You know, a lot of, should I even be here? And I, that got really dark, but it's, that's part of what I've had to do because also it's something that, you know, Ryan, I, I, the, the, personally, this is what I, I have to carry the, I have to carry the church with me. That's one of my burdens as someone who presents themselves on an online space. I do carry the church with me. It's just part of my, my existence on, on Instagram. So I have to make sure that I'm constantly making sure that people understand that I don't agree with the things that are being presented as Christian sometimes. And sometimes I do. It depends. It really, really depends. It depends on who I sit with at my altar. And, you know, I think one of the things that both of y'all are really bringing up that, that again, goes back to differentiating what your individual spirituality is versus the institution of churchianity, if you will. Um, 
the church and the institution does tend to kind of push this idea that it has it all figured out. They know the right way to do things. It's all documented. And if you do this thing the right way, then you get to go into the good place. And the thing is, is they expect everyone on a flat, even board to fit into that. And what I hear from both of you on your podcast and in this conversation right here is that's not that's not what you're that's not what you're all about that's not what it's the focus is the focus is about your individual relationship with the divine your individual yep. um idea about how you're going to approach your own spirit court if you will um one of the things that i because i put out something a while back that was talking about um it was a video on tiktok and it was do not invite me to your church do not invite me i have a whole long history of, of trauma, of horrible experiences, of being told things that make me want to leave. And I ha- I'm a hairstylist. So in my work, I'm in Texas in the Bible Belt. So I have had so many times from age, I'm going to say 18 in cosmetology school, I literally had a woman at the end of an entire hair service after asking me questions about my life, after talking to me, she pulled out her Bible and put her hand on me and started praying. And she was, I'm going to get you to come to my church if I can. I'm going to do it. I know one day I'm going to do it. And I know, I know deep down, she believes she is doing something that is going to enrich my life. She believes that she is going to save me, help me, raise me up and that's just one example of many things that have happened and and even to this day i still sometimes get people that like oh well you have been to my church you'd be accepted at my church and so ultimately i always ask you know well i'm so glad that they're queer friendly i'm really really glad that they're that they're you know they're changing their ideas about things you know there's a huge break off in the methodist church they had a a major split over gay marriage uh, or equality marriage and and that's wonderful for their institution but ultimately when it comes down to it if i look at that person inviting me and they tell me when it comes down to it brass tacks if i don't believe what you believe do you believe that i'm going to burn in hell for all eternity and what i'm hearing from both of you is that's not, it's none of your business what's going on in my that's afterlife. exactly right it's, it's, none of, it's none of your business what's going on in my afterlife and to be right. honest it shouldn't be anyone else's business that's right what is going on in anyone else's afterlife yeah or present life <laughs> it's it's that pray for them mentality that um has been taught by the church because that's what the church does mm-hmm. we pray for you um and it maliciously teach, too sometimes. maliciously and it's invasive it's extremely invasive um and they they teach their congregation to do the same for the sake of evangel for the sake of evangelizing um so yeah that's that's not it's a, it's a common thing that happens all the time um first you know christian christian uh, christians and christianity believe that they're entitled to everyone and they're entitled to everyone to sit in those pews and listen to what they have to say because they think they are they are it. They think that they have figured it out. And your the, the relationship that I have with Mary is not the same relationship that Rye has with Mary. It's a different Mary. Mm-hmm. It's a different Mary works differently for the two of us. And yeah. so we can't we can't put Christianity into a box or sorry into a church because it looks different for everybody. You can't walk into a into a church and expect to meet the same kind of Catholic. It's just like going into a coven meeting and meeting the same kind of witch. You're not going to. We're all going to look differently. We're going to practice differently. We're going to we're going to walk differently. And also, the way that the church is construct uh, is 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 structured is very classist. It's very ableist. Um, it's very um, it's very everything. And those things um, 
you know, for the, for anyone who doesn't fit into the mold, pray for them, pray for them because they will find God. I was like, baby, I wasn't even looking. I don't feel like I have a choice. Like in my life, I've always gone through ebbs and flows, especially as I was getting older, excuse me, and coming into my, at the time, gay identity and now a queer identity uh, and believing that it was fact that gays were going to hell and I couldn't both simultaneously love God and be a Catholic while also being gay. Um, You know, I started to disassociate from the church and I was exploring things, particularly Eastern religions like Hinduism and Buddhism. uh, But I could never find anything that really I resonated with certain maybe teachings or or certain things they, that each of those things would offer, like the belief of reincarnation or the belief of God showing up as all these different other deities, but ultimately being from the same source. Like, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And I find this really, really touching. But I would always find myself going through these ebbs and flows of still wanting to come back to that God that I knew that I was raised with. And when I started to pray the rosary again, like like Voga was saying, like my, my magic just started working. Mary, Mary showed up like within less than a month, less than two weeks, really of me reaching out and, and, and petitioning her, asking her to show me her presence. It's just that this system, this system, the magical mysticism, mysticism that is presented through the system that is Catholicism, all these isms, uh, it just worked for me and it continues to work. And I'm not going to say that's going to be the only thing that works for me through the rest of my life. Uh, but it, it's what works now and it's what resonates with me the most. And I don't really see that changing anytime soon for myself. Like I truly feel like my soul at this very point in time um, utilizes that magic of Catholicism because that's what that's what I'm meant to be doing and meant to be connecting with my sovereignty to the divine with. You were born uh, Baptist, right? Or I'm sorry, you were baptized when you were born, right? Yes. Yeah, of course you didn't have a choice. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, well, I mean, uh, no, you're right. you, know, you don't get to opt out of it. Uh, I tried. Voga, yeah. were you? Yeah, no, I know. We've talked about it. Um, Voga, uh, you were you were baptized when you were a child, or did you choose when you were older? How old were you when you got baptized? Like uh, ten days old. I was baptized Christian. Yeah, this is making sense now. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering, um, you two are both from Filipino backgrounds, uh, Filipino-American, as well as, you know, the other aspects of your family. Um, How would you say that has impacted your belief system specifically? I know that we, you, uh, Rye, I know you have kind of went into some deep dives on pre-colonial Filipino practices and... um, yeah, I just want to know if you could touch more on that. Yeah, um, I still haven't. The shitty thing is when the Spaniards colonized the Philippines, they wiped out most of the historical documentation that allowed us to get in touch with our pre-colonial roots. So a lot of it nowadays is reconstructed or in the process of being reconstructed as best as it can be. So uh, unfortunately, a lot of it is you know based on very little historical information that's left over, as well as predominantly UPG. And um, I haven't worked too much with pre-colonial Filipino spirits, but I know they're there and I know they're around me. And uh, like, for instance, a a lot of folk Catholic cultures uh, sometimes will syncretize things into their practice. So maybe someone praying to uh, Santa Lucia or St. Lucia is really connecting with the Filipino Dewata. Oh God, Dalik Mata, who who has a bunch of eyes. Yeah. Who's a seer and can see past, present, and future. Um, for me, I don't use the saints as a syncretized form. For me, it's like when I'm communicating or communing with the saint, I'm communicating or communing with that specific saint. If I want to go out and work with the nature spirit or duata, I'm gonna go do that 
apart from from that saint mm-hmm. um and in terms of like pre-colonial culture uh just working with what historical information is available. Like I, I have some elders in the Philippines who are part of that movement to reconstruct it and bring pre-colonial traditions into the forefront again in the Philippines. And so I've taken classes with them on styles of like Filipino divination. Um, and they also teach classes on pre-colonial uh, Filipino healing, like Hilo. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of like a form of massage, but also has an energetic component component to it as well. Um, so anytime I get information that there's something out there related to pre-colonial practices being taught nowadays, like just taking that in and absorbing it. And I incorporate the two, like I still, I still work with that and work with my Catholic practice. So again, kind of incorporating all these different facets of, of my identity and my ancestry, but making it into, again, that own sovereign practice that is my own. Um, Voga, I'd love to hear, hear your take. Um, it's, it's it's difficult to um, to make a hard line when it comes to Filipino Filipino folk practices and Catholicism because the Philippines is so immensely Catholic. It is so heavily Catholic in, in the Philippines. So that's why I'm saying a lot of it is just bleed over. And that's why I always tell folks, like wherever you come from, look for those nuances in in the Catholicism that is practiced in your house that differs from other um, forms of Catholicism because those are the cultural uh, folk practices or cultural Filipino specific um, practices that are important because that's cultural. Um, that comes from the land of of um, of your you know the motherland. So the things that have and to answer your question, how has it impacted my practice immensely? Because I have to in my in my ancestor work, I have to incorporate um, the Philippines or my culture into it because that's who they are, and my 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 ancestors are also Catholic, so incorporating those two things at the same time is can be difficult especially if we're going more into like more traditional more indigenous folk practices like for example there's a form of divination in the philippines that uses cowrie shells and um you can shake them up and then how it lands and it's kind of like bone throwing and you shake them up and how it lands you get to you get to kind of um read your fortune or whatever you know that's how like fortune tellers work um there in the philippines so like incorporating Sorry to cut you off. Is that like similar to like De Lagoon or what it is? Uh, what 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 was the term you just said? De Lagoon. What's that? Never mind. We'll move past okay. that. Okay, but there, it's like it's actually it's like these shells are from like from a, a traditional Filipino game called sunga, and it's like these like little bowls that have cowrie shells, and you're supposed to count. I you guys are probably, oh, it's called uh, you've seen it as like mancala. Yeah, so it's kind of like that. It's Mancala with those like beads and you put it in and you're supposed to like get as many beads. And so people, folks use those shells to divinate and drop it into the the into the into game board to see where like every bowl represents like a different thing, a different aspect of your life. And they can uh, divinate on based on like what, what you need to work on. This There's too much going into your, fi- um, into your career right now. You're not focusing on your relationships. It's a very, it's a very cool thing to do. Um, and then, but also like sitting at my ancestral altar, I use 
our native languages so that I can communicate effectively with, with to them. You know, I, I, I incorporate as much as I possibly can foods from the Philippines, um, you know, traditional prayers. I tried, to, I got, I tried doing the Hail Mary in Tagalog and I, 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 I couldn't do it. Like it's so, it, I, I got so tongue tied, but trying to incorporate as much as I possibly can, because it is my skin. It is how I look. It is though, it is the way I present myself as a proud Filipino American person is I need to, I, I have to carry the motherland with me. And something that I, um, my namesake on, on Instagram, Ilumisente, is an amalgamation of my great-great-grandfather, who's Illuminado Lucente, who is a prolific writer and poet in the Philippines. So I honor him in that way because a lot of his songs are culturally significant. Um, so his songs are, connect me to my homeland because other folks listen to his songs and to his poetry. Um, so yeah, it, you know, Going into like pre-colonial things, it's difficult for me because I don't have a lot of information. The diwata is something that I'm I'm still constantly trying to incorporate into my my practice. I don't know how to effectively do it yet because I haven't spent time with those spirits, um, and I haven't done the work. But it's something that I'm just trying to gather information and gathering information in regards to this to this spiritual or into these cultural practices is very difficult because it's very limited. But there are things like the Santo Nino de Subu, which is a, a, a child, a, 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 a Christ child that's specific to the region of the Philippines that I'm from. So that's something that I am planning on incorporating into my practice because it's something that's specific to the spirits of my land and the people of my land is the is that Santo Nino. It's a very specific Santo Nino. Um, so yeah, so it, it it bobs and weaves all the time and I try to incorporate it as much as, based on what I know and my upbringing, I incorporate it as much as I possibly can. Wow. It's really interesting. My, my, my father was born in the Philippines and raised in Singapore. Um, he's white, so just erase any other ideas about that <laughs> he was they 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 were in a uh, they were stationed there for his father who was in the american military so he was born in the philippines but raised mostly in singapore and so his his upbringing and exposure to a completely different type of, of a several different types of cultures from childhood to teenage years all the way up until he left for college it completely shaped his worldview and then he came to Texas <laughs> to go to go to college after an entire lifetime across the world. And I very much um I appreciate growing up having a father that had a very different uh, uh idea about what it meant to include certain types of cultures of food, certain types of ideas of 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 how you interact with family members, how you interact with yeah. uh, there, there's so much aspect of culture that when you are raised in a specific environment that I'm so, so grateful was passed down to me because it, it, I very much believe that everyone, when the, if they have the opportunity to travel, I, it's a privilege to be able to travel. But if you have the opportunity, the more you can expose yourself yourself to, to other cultures, to other groups of people, to other ideas when invited, um, the better a person, a more well-rounded person you can be. And I'm so, so, so grateful to have that. So listening to you talk about, there's literally no way that your, your, your ancestors' culture, your culture that's literally written on your face, how it cannot affect your practice. Of course, it's going to affect your practice. And it, it's one of those things that I know someone who is a very white presenting cis male in Texas 
I'm not going to say I'm devoid of that because I'm not devoid of that at all. But uh, I love listening to people talk about, I'm, I'm, I'm saying this horribly, I'm sure, but I love people talking about how they identify their spirituality, their culture, their 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 heritage, and and how that how that affects them today, because I feel like I get to know someone so, so, so much more than I do if they tell me, oh, what'd you do this past Saturday? Oh my gosh, that sounds so much fun. Oh my God, what's your favorite Starbucks drink? <laughs> you know, like sometimes conversations can be so, so surface level, especially in online circumstances. I'm grateful to have a conversation around, obviously, some very serious matters. We're talking about church, we're talking about Catholicism, we're talking about relationship to the divine. And culture plays a huge part in that, because if you look at it, I mean, I am removed from the full Catholic, quote unquote, full Catholic, full Catholic um, yeah. ideas. <laughs> but if you see there is folk Catholicism within um, within Mexico, within uh, Latin American culture. There's folk mm -hmm. Catholicism in in Italy. There's folk Catholic. There's even well, there's more folk Protestantism up over in England and UK and whatnot. But and in Ireland as well. But all of them look different from each other yep. because of the culture that affected it. And and I'm very very unaware of a huge portion of the the. Uh, Filipino culture and how it affected your folk Catholicism or your Catholic beliefs as they are themselves. So I feel much more educated by listening to that because personally, I'm sure I'm just rambling at this point, but personally, it's it's one of those things that I look forward to getting to know in people so, so, so much more than just some of those just, just really kind of surface level stuff that that doesn't really get into the crux of who someone is. I also thank you for those are that's the, that was a very kind thing to say. Um, I also want to make it very clear to folks, it's like Ryan and I are not here to tell people how to practice Catholicism. We're just sharing our experiences. And if you can take something to help help you navigate this a little bit easier based on our experience, then we did we did what we we're supposed to do. We're not trying to teach anyone how to be a Catholic. We're trying, we, we are learning how to be the Catholics that we are now with you. And we're sharing our experiences with you as much as we possibly can without divulging too much. Um, and you get to dictate what you do with it. You get to dictate what that means to you. Because that could potentially mean if you are, if you're trying to explore your upbringing and you listen to our podcast and you realize this is not for me, at least that's what we did for you. We helped you realize that it didn't work. And that's okay. Like, we're not trying to evangelize people and saying, this is the reason why Catholicism is cool. But also, this is the reason why Catholicism is cool. Like, you know what I mean? We're not trying to do anything. We're not trying to evangelize. We're not trying to say any, any like, you have the power to do whatever you want. This is just how we experience the divine. This is how we experience our, our spiritual courts. This is how we experience the saints. Maybe it'll work for you. Maybe this is a way to approach this saint and um, it'll work differently for you. But at least they, we gave you the the permission, I guess, you know, because no one else is giving you permission to do this. So maybe we can give you permission because we're the ones who are showing you is like, listen, what we do works and you get to explore it. You get to have that grace that the church never gave you. You, you get to have it. I was going to say, I'm not worried about looking by the two of you evangelizing anybody um because you surely don't look like you 
you should be. Um, no, I'm <laughs> completely kidding. I'm so sorry, Marshall. What were you saying? Well, I was going to say something that kind of goes into our next topic on the outline. Um, I was at a wedding a few years ago. Turns out it was a Catholic wedding. I did not know when I was going to go there. I was doing the the makeup and my friend Kevin was doing the hair. Um, I didn't know it was going to be a whole fucking mass. It was very long. And, <laughs> and as someone who grew up going to an Episcopal church, I'm very aware of what it's like going to, to a mass. I know about sacrament. I know about all these things because most of those same rituals are very similar. So when it came to lining up and getting the sacrament i went up there and it was different from how i grew up going uh we had actually had like breakable type of cracker bread things and we had yeah. a cup of wine well when i went up there they had the more of the little circular wafers and they had the wine and i didn't know what would be best to dip it or to take a sip from the cup because i've seen different things and so i just kind of asked would you prefer and she she held this cup and she just goes are you even catholic <laughs> like i'm in line this is at a wedding. People have gone before me. People are waiting after me. And I just, and I'm like, would you prefer, I'm trying to be quiet. Would you prefer to sip or just to dip? And she goes, are you even Catholic? Catholic. And and I just said, well, no. And she goes, she holds the wine. Like I'm going to take it from her. And then she just goes, go sit down, go sit down. Oh, no. And I was like, and I was just like, I'm, I'm so confused. I, w- I was just like confused. I'd never experienced that before. So I did talk, I had a conversation with the priest afterward and, and I said, what went on there? And he goes, well, we as Catholics believe that only Catholics should receive the sacrament. And while all of these different churches have their different ideas of God, the purpose of the sacrament is to take in the perfection of Christ's body and blood. And until mm-hmm. we can all agree, not everyone gets to have that. And I just went, <laughs> uh, you know, this is my friend's wedding. I'm not going to make a scene whatsoever. But I've never seen someone guess and then deny the sacrament to someone in the middle of a mass before. So leading into our question... What I'm curious, do you go to mass regularly? Do you consider taking, do you take in the sacraments? Do you uh, think you need to have a priest bless and consecrate these sacraments for you to include sacramental, uh, I guess, praise within your practice? Um, I wanted to um, interject for a second before everybody please, gets into please. their their um things because um rye i know you go to mass uh marshall wow uh marshall i that you were raised episcopalian i was raised protestant and um voga uh i'm not sure if you go to mass or not but i will also say like the main split in the the division of what a Protestant and a Catholic is, is that um, transubstantiation, right? And the the reason why, like, you're not allowed to have it if you were not confirmed Catholic is because, like, to the Catholic, which is why you'll always hear me make jokes about in Protestantism, nothing is real um, and nothing means anything, um, (laughs) is because, like, to, to the protestant or i'm sorry to the catholic like 
the body and blood of Christ is not a mythical idea. This is not a concept. It's, this is not a metaphor. This, like, you are actually actually stopping on flesh. You are eating yeah. flesh. Yeah. Um, and where, where we have mystical um, rice, something that you've told me about um, uh, before is like the the mysticism of the trans um, substantiation and actually like being able to like you're chewing on something and then the host starts bleeding or like you pull you know, and you're like what is that and you pull it out and like there's documentation of like hosts actually turning into skin you know um, and to the Protestant, like, this is a mythic concept. This is not a physical thing. This is a metaphor. And so that's why I always say to the Protestant, this isn't real. The reason why the Catholics are so, like, uptight about that is because you don't get that. You don't get this very physical, real thing that we've done um, if you are not confirmed. And that's also why Catholic and Orthodox churches, in my opinion, have um, better hosts to to take because, again, these are um, these are mythical. These aren't mythical concepts uh, in to the Catholic and the the Orthodox churches. But um, yeah, please answer <laughs> please answer the question: Do you partake in the sacraments, and how does one subvert? Um, and I, this is really with Voga in mind, the idea of subverting um, the sacraments by not participating them. And how does that, how does that all work? I do try to go to mass more regularly. Definitely not as regularly as I did more early on in my practice when I was starting to re-engage with Catholicism. Uh, at one point I was making an effort to try to go every Sunday. Now it's kind of, I just go when I feel drawn or called to do so. Uh, and I enjoy it because to me, it's a form of spiritual cleansing, like Olympia in Curanderismo, which is uh, Latin American folk healing. To me, when we're, as someone who believes that the wine and, and the the unleavened bread are being transubstantiated into the flesh and blood of Christ, I see um, con uh, con consummation, is that the right word? Like e the eating of that, um, consuming that yeah. to, to truly be an inward uh, spiritual cleansing of both mind, body, and spirit. And so I don't go as regularly as I used to, but like I said, I kind of go as like spiritual upkeep. If I'm like feeling in a funk or just feeling really drawn to like, like, Hey, I really want to go to mass, like on this feast day of a certain saint or of a certain angel or what have you. Um, I will go. And then there's times on Sundays where like, I don't feel obligated to as in like what the Catholic church tells me to do, but I just, you know, as a spiritual refresher, I'm like, it's been a minute. Like it's like a spiritual cleansing to me. And uh, I recently went to mass at a church uh, at St. Dominic's church here in San Francisco. And they have a, a uh, really special shrine to St. Jude. And I didn't know that they did this, but uh, when I went to mass there for the first time in a really long time, um, at the end of mass, everyone was lining up as if they were about to receive communion again. And I was so confused. I'm like, what's happening? Is this like a Catholic thing I don't know about? And uh, like three or four different priests were all celebrating mass, which I thought was just weird because it's normally just one. And they all come out uh, with these like little gold, what look like discs, and they take something out of it. And it ends up what it actually is, is a, is a small reliquary holding relics of St. Jude, uh, probably a first or second class relic. And for those unfamiliar uh, relics in Catholicism, a first class relic is like a, a body part of a saint's like hair, fingernail, blood, whatever. And then a second class is something that that saint used regularly or touched. 
And so um, we would go up through this line as if we were about to see communion again. And the priest would make the sign of the cross with this relic and then hold it on our forehead. And when I experienced that, like I felt electricity, like shoot through my body, like just the power and the magic in that of itself. Even as I was leaving church from that mass, like I just felt like my hair was standing up. And so that's why I go to mass because I can feel that magical and mystical energy. And I feel Sometimes I leave feeling cleansed. Sometimes I leave feeling just lighter from having received that spiritual and holy communion through through the bread and and blood of Christ. And so that that's why I enjoy going to mass. But I also know that a lot of people have religious trauma to the point where they don't feel comfortable stepping in a church. And you are no less valid for not going into a church than you are for those who do step into a church. Um, and yeah, that's that's my answer for that. Thank you. Absolutely, thank you. That and. When it came to that incident that I had th- at that moment, um, it was probably like my early 20s. It, no, it was my early 20s. And it was one of those innocents that made me just realize, one, I don't know everything. I thought I did, you know, when you're 20 years old and you believe you know everything. Um, but two, it was one of the first moments that I really realized some of the some of the more unknown differences between what I grew up with being exposed to. Um I had had several other incidences, once being uh, in, a, in a Baptist church, one being in a Lutheran. Um, I hadn't experienced all of those differences, and that was the first time that I experienced that. And I had to kind of do a deep dive into understanding why, why, um, and and you explained it very well, Austin, that it's the 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 living body of 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 Christ, flesh, blood. Um, and I have to admit, since then, I, I have not, well, I haven't actually been to Mass, but if I were to go again, I would probably just, you know, I just sit in the pew or just, just cross myself. Just just, I might just, I'll just sit that, I'll just sit that one out. Vogue, I, I definitely want to um, hear your take on it, but I also want uh, to to even recognize, you know, the differences within Catholicism. It's not all, I mean, obviously there's cultural differences when we get down to like, um, location but also to like i'm very lucky that i live around several catholic churches which is really interesting where i'm at because i'm like this should be protestant land and it kind of is but like there's a i i live very close to a monastery it's dope um you can see the nuns walking around um i also live next to or uh well part of the monastery is um there's also a like a pre-vatican II church and the division between this like post-vatican II and pre-vatican II and like what they believe and what what the catholic the uh, post-vatican II believes is is vastly different not vastly different but pretty substantial in their differences and yeah it's very interesting so uh voca i'm wondering um what's your take on that okay this might be this might actually get me into trouble just with some of my catholic friends but you know at this point it's just like if uh, you don't feel comfortable answering anything that i know you're going to answer you don't have to i didn't say i, didn't say I was uncomfortable i'm just saying i might get in trouble <laughs> okay um, huh I love a little trouble. You like straight the <laughs> Just a little trouble. Well, first of all, I was not baptized Catholic. <gasps> I do. I do. I do. I do consume the Eucharist. Um, sometimes. It but there's has there there has to be a reason, and it's usually a magical reason. Um, and I'm That's not gonna hot. I'm not gonna say what those magical reasons are. 
Anyways, um, well, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little. Okay, listen, the body and the blood of Christ is the most cunt, queer, gayest thing you could possibly do. First of all, you're consuming someone's body. Ah, uh, anyways, um, so I go to mass on my Morning. own terms, and I only go to mass for a reason. Like I said, it's usually for a magical reason. Um, and it's not, it's never usually a reason that all the other people are there. Um, <clears throat> I actually wrote my own transubstantiation once recently because there is this thing in my brain, the, the thing that, uh, the, the, the experience that Marshall went through is something that I, 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 I disagree with with so much passion because and no pun intended passion um the idea that the eucharist and the body and the blood of christ is gatekept to folks who aren't catholic when christ died for humankind and hum some of humankind is declined or refused the body of christ even though he sacrificed his body and his blood for human it doesn't make any sense to me so very protestant of you no i'm just kidding i know that does sound really christian doesn't it oh my god i'm taking i'm taking this wig off and taking this face off right now i'm going to church <laughs> ah! <laughs> but yeah i did i did write my own transubstantiation i perform it on myself and by myself i do i did do it once with my friend Franny, who you all know, Francisco, the Wicked Witch of LA, who I love very much. You're disgusting. Um, I know you're <laughs> listening to this right now, and I just want to make sure that you know that you're gross. Um, uh, but I also love you. Um, there is one time that we did it together. We did this huge death rate for um, for a certain event that happened here in the United States that revolved around queer people. Um, we we performed a death rate. I wrote I wrote this in this this huge death rite that incorporated the Eucharist that I that I wrote myself and I think I did a really, really good job. And the reason why I did it, I know I did a really good job is because I could taste it in the bread. And I was actually, Rye was here in LA recently and I shared this experience with them when I was actually doing the, when I was, I was sharing the, the, the whole process of this death rite I was doing. And I told them about the, that, that I write, I wrote my own transubstantiation. The experience that I had when I actually bit the bread and it, it didn't taste like flesh but it didn't taste like bread it was interesting it was really really it it, it tasted really like it's like um salty like it was salt it was like it, it was really salty when i put it in my mouth so i don't know i don't know if that was just a, a bad loaf of bread i like to believe that i did a really good job in my transubstantiation that is not something that you're supposed to do you are not supposed to you're not supposed to um change the you're not supposed to do that you're not supposed to do that yes well, well that comes down from that hierarchy thing we were talking about earlier yep. the way in which that this system this institution set up a hierarchical system hierarchical hierarchical you know what i mean they set up this, these 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 levels of gates that you must you must follow if you're going to have access yep. and and for me to be perfectly honest, no matter what religion that I found myself within, I am never going to 
I am never going to believe that divinity needs to come through someone else just to get to me. That's I just agree. my that's my personal belief. Um, and I think that, I mean, from our conversation from your podcast, I think that really goes to the heart of what it means to be, um, well, what it, what Catholicism of the people looks like versus Catholicism of the institution. And um, I feel like what I experienced that day was an example of the institution kind of failing to be there for the people. 100%. Um, that could have been an opportunity for for them to well, one for conversion to recruit, for, to recruit. That could have been an opportunity. Two, what a fucking bitch! She, <laughs> she doesn't know me. She just looked me up and down, went queer, said, go yes. sit down. She queer. said, "Agate." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really yeah. Are you even? Honestly, are you even a woman? Are you? <laughs> are you? They. Was it? There was. Yeah. 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 I well, was like, I did the makeup for this bride, bitch. Give me that wine. What well, year I also, I also want to make sure that I, I want to also say that I don't think that the, I don't want to dismiss the importance of the Eucharist, mm. not because of the church, but because of your fucking spirits. I think that it's important, like the pilgrimage, if you're going to go to your church, go to a, for, for, if you want to perform a pilgrimage, walk, the, walk to your church, receive the Eucharist, because you want to be closer to the divine, to, to your spiritual court, please do. That's incredible. And also, your, if anyone is uncomfortable with doing the Eucharist because they don't know how to do it, they put it in your mouth or they put it in your hand, put it in your mouth, take the sip of wine and leave. You can do it. They don't have to know anything. But there they are don't. tells that you don't know. I will say there are tells that you don't know. Well, that bitch knew. <laughs> and clearly she did. <laughs> So I'm wondering then and now, um, as we are coming to the close of our conversation, ultimately, can you be a witch um, and be a Christian at the same time? Yes. And the reason why I know that is because I am one. Um, and the reason why I also know that is because I'm not both at the same time sometimes. Um. And the other reason why I know that is because um, witchcraft and witchcraft and when I say when I call myself a Catholic witch, it's because I'm Catholic and I'm a witch, not because like I'm doing both of the same. Sometimes I do. There's bleed over sometimes, but my witchcraft means different things. Like I practice witchcraft and I practice Catholicism for different reasons. Um, my witchcraft is heavily political. Um, my witchcraft is communing with the spirits of the land, which I do and um working with the spirits of the of the land that i live on um i also work uh i i commune with the spirits of the stolen land that i live on um that's really really important to to um highlight is that if you live in the united states you are living on stolen land and there are spirits that dwell there who are being ignored so make sure you say hi and you say thank you and also apologize for being there um it's um, my witchcraft is also very heavily spiritual in regards to to um, uh, botanical allies. Um, I recognize the spirits that live within and dwell within everything. Um, the spirit of of the rose <clears throat> is something that I heavily work with.
Sorry about that. Um, the spirits of, of, of the rose is something I, I, I heavily work with. So it's heavy spirit work and it's, it's, it's getting, it's, it's much more, um, earthly. It's much more dirty. It's not so, it's not so, you know, high and, and glorified. It's much more, it's much more tactile. It's much more, you know, it's textured. It's, it's grimy. It smells sometimes without going too much of what I do. It's sexual. It's liberating. It's, um, it's queer. Um, and sometimes those bleed into my devotional work because sometimes I need assistance somewhere else because some of my spirits, I believe some of my spirits, especially Mary holds dominion over all realms, whether it be heavenly, earthly, or the abyss. One of Mary's aspect is, aspects is Empress of Hell. So there is aspects that I do incorporate from my devotional work into my witchcraft, but sometimes my Catholicism is just as magical as my witchcraft is. And sometimes I bring in my plant allies into my devotional work. So there's a lot of bleed over. There's a lot of, there's a lot of bleed through. And sometimes it's separate. I'm not going to take St. Michael into the woods to commune with the devil. I'm not going to do that. That would be inappropriate. And it wouldn't work. It, it frankly would not work. Um, and like, no one's going to come if Michael's there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Or Michael's not going to come if I, he knows where I'm going, you know? So it, 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 it's constant, constant discernment. It's making sure that you respect the land that you live on and the spirits that you, that you have around you um, and to feed them and to thank them and to have reverence for them, for everything that you're, you're doing with them. Yeah. Uh, I also agree with everything Logan said. I agree that you can be Catholic or full Catholic and a witch as well. It's just a matter of knowing what you're doing and when you're doing it uh, is similar on the same vein as Voga saying they wouldn't work with St. Michael and the devil at the same time. That's kind of how I am with my spiritual core. I don't really work with anything infernal or, or of those realms at the moment that I feel like don't get along with my spiritual core, but I have like the knowledge to possess that, you know, if I know that two spiritual courts are going to clash, I'm not going to try to invite them into the same space or work with them within the same space. And uh, part of a lot of pre-colonial Filipino tradition is that they were animists. So that didn't fall into, you know, the whole Catholic umbrella. And so I still view, sure, I view the Holy Spirit as kind of that inner source or soul that, that everything has, but I also see like the life the, the spiritual life that everything holds in and of itself. So again, maintaining those two separate uh, ideologies or theologies, if you want to say that, um, of witchcraft, of, of Catholicism, seeing them both, but knowing which one lies where and which one I'm working with at any given time. Uh, but I do believe that you can be both. It's just a matter of like, do you know why you're claiming that title? And do you know the differences that come with each of those titles and how you work with them? That is something that I wish more people would actually bring to the, the, um, surface of attention, if you will. Uh, we know flat out historically, there is tons of Catholic and Protestant folk magic. The thing is, is nowadays saying the word Christian witch really is kind of synonymous with that idea, but you can't superimpose that idea in the history because nobody who practiced, say, Protestant or Catholic folk magic would have called themselves a Christian witch because That's witch right. had a completely different connotation. That's nowadays, right. yeah, exactly. Nowadays, someone who identifies as a, as a Christian witch might be doing exactly what, say, a, a little bit of um, uh, Brachai or um, different types of Ap Appalachian folk magic 
it would have all been based in the Bible. It would have all been based in a lot of uh, uh, church-based practices. Uh, but we're just not calling it the same thing anymore. Now, I have actually seen a lot of of, of people drop the word witch altogether. Um, I've seen a lot of people who get really into more like I know Frankie with with their yeah with their um, Italian folk magic. There are certain things that 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 language is evolving again still. So um, I love this conversation. I love the idea of people tapping into and getting into what might not be the most obvious of spiritualities and grouping it with the concept, the identity of a witch. And I, my favorite line from almost any television show whatsoever is from Salem, when Mary Sibley is angry that her neighbor, I can't remember what his name was, performed an exorcism um, on the possessed daughter. And she was like, an exorcism? I cannot believe it. <laughs> there is one thing more detestable, more awful, more one thing worse than a witch in Salem. Do you know what that is? A Catholic. <laughs> Not, not a Catholic. Three syllables. Catholic. One thing worse than a witch in all of Salem. Yeah. Well, I would also just say it's like I don't I don't call myself a witch because I perform magic. Witch. I, I call myself a witch because I perform, I, I practice witchcraft. And I, I think that's a really good thing to note. And and mm-hmm. why I said good with the with the dropping of of like witchcraft is its own thing. And I think I've hammered, I've hammered on about this for like at three years now. Right. And I think at this point, um, and it's not just me who's, who's saying it, it's a lot of other people, but I think at this point, the conversation is or has changed. Um, I don't, uh, it's complicated because I don't necessarily know how, to explain it other than like i certainly am not christian i I think uh, i would pin myself more in the diabolistic i i i operate still though however within somewhat a um well she's really eclectic i'm reclaiming that title (laughs) um we're reclaiming that that we're gonna niche right she's also and and niche we're gonna have to reclaim uh, eclectic and and talk about that in a a future episode but um i still operate somewhat within a christian framework um so but it's an inclusive cosmology it is a very inclusive. My cosmology is very inclusive, except Saint John of Patmos was wrong. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, no, I think you articulated that beautifully. I think those these things are separate. They have their own titles. Absolutely, there is mysticism and magic, um, and even folk magic to be had in both Catholicism, uh, Orthodoxy, and Protestantism. All of these things have their own signs symbols baggage um and and witchcraft doesn't have to witchcraft in doesn't apply to those things however it can operate within those frameworks yep um as in opposition i think to them but i also think that you can have your foot in both realms because we know that people have and people do so Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that was great. Thank you. 
You've been listening to Southern Bramble, a podcast of Crooked Ways. I'm Marshall, the Witch of Southern Light. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Witch of Southern Light. You can find me on Twitter at MarshallWSL. You can check out any of the... uh, any of my platforms have a link tree. I have tons of links in there. Great for education, great for resource lists, correspondences, um, links to videos I've created. I have my Redbubble shop. Um, I have my blog. I have lots of shit in there. You should check it out. And I'm Austin Bain X Bramble on Instagram and any other social media platforms that I have at current moment. I'm debating on making a TikTok and I'm scared. Um, you can find me on Instagram and my shop at bnxbramble.com where I sell all my womanly wares, including perfumes. And uh, I will also be doing a lecture called Hellish Perfumes and Infernal Vapors, uh, Witchcraft and, and uh, Perfumes and Aroma Isolates in Witchcraft and Magic at the Botanica Obscura Conference 2023 on March 26th. So please be sure to check that out. Um, Voga and Rye, also aka the Red Text Podcast, where can we find the both of you? You can find me on Instagram at the Mestizo Mystic or on Twitter at Mestizo Mystic. I'm not deleting my profiles, but I probably will be inactive for an indefinite period of time. And I am Volga. I am Volga Ilumisente on Instagram. And I um, am a co-host with my lovely co-host, Rye, for the Red Text Podcast, which is at Red Text Podcast on Instagram. Um, we're, in, we're available on Spotify and most most all platforms except for Apple. We're working on it. Um, and uh, I am a professional practitioner here in Los Angeles. So if you are in the greater Los Angeles area, please come and book an appointment with me. I am so happy to... Um, service LA. <laughs> I bet. She does I that bet in multiple are. ways. I sure yeah. do. Every I weekend. sure do. Mm-hmm. That, this is the reason my voice sounds like this. Um, and then a, uh, I'm part of this really wonderful community of uh, magical practitioners here in Los Angeles. Um, they have curated an amazing, amazing um, marketplace called Blasphemeet, which is going to take place um, the next one in May. May 27th and 28th of this year. And we are very excited. It is macabre. It is death. It is goth. It is kunt. It is magic. Um, and uh, actually, uh, a friend of mine, uh, uh, Wicked Witch of LA, uh, Francisco and I are actually collaborating on um, bringing our, our both small businesses and putting it together. We're doing like a full-fledged, like uh, full-service tarot divination, spell crafting, limpias, everything all in one um, to go shop. Or, you know, what do you call it? Um, you can get everything at one shop. One-stop shop. One-stop shop. That's it. Yeah, it's like a one-stop shop for, for spell I heard, crafting. I heard that's what they call you. Um, <laughs> she's the, the corner store of witchcraft <laughs> and folk magic. I'm like the Rite Aid of, 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 uh, of, of witchcraft and magic. The Dwayne Reed! <laughs> It's basically just witchcraft at an event and you get to see us actually perform magic in front of you. It's, it's, it's going to be really, really amazing. Um, you can find me, um, you can book me, my, my services, um, including divination, um, spiritual, spiritual cleansings and blessings. I do home blessings as well. Uh, I'll do candle crafting, Novena candle crafting for you. Just book it in my link and I can come out and see you. Mm-hmm. 
Southern Bramble is a Patreon-supported podcast. I wanted to thank our Patreon supporters by name, Witch Rafa, V, Tracy, Timothy, The Witch of Patapsco Forest, The Modern Babylon, The Lady Ghost, Shanna, Nathan, Lisa, Keith, Key, Johnny, John, Jens, Jennifer, Jennifer Squared, Jamisa, Giles, Florence, Colin, Cindy, Matesta, Ariella, and Adity. Thank you all so much.